Hey y'all, this is Mallory Irvin and it's time for all of us to live fully. It's so important in this crazy world of ours that we stay connected, inspired, and motivated to be and do our best. And that's not always easy. I'm here with my guests and friends to share the stories and lessons we've learned to help you live your best life every day and truly begin living fully. Let's make it happen and get started with today's episode. Hello and welcome back to Living Fully. I'm so excited because today I have a very special guest that embodies what this podcast is all about, probably more than a lot of people that are going to come on the show. And I happen to know him very well. And today I have my dad on the podcast, Gary Irvin, mountain climbing extraordinaire, businessman, father of four, (laughs) grandfather of one, and maybe too soon. (laughs) So hi, dad. Hey. I'm really excited to interview my dad because I've actually had more requests to have him come on a podcast than any guests recently from you guys. And if you are just now listening to this podcast and you don't know about my dad, I'll just give you a little bit of a backstory and then I'm going to let him kind of tell his story in this really cool way that he's been telling it from the mountains. He writes lessons to his grandkids. So my dad is... uh, businessman extraordinaire, grew up in a small town, oldest of six siblings, just a very like salt of the earth kind of guy and worked super hard his entire life. And then for some reason decided that one of his new hobbies was going to be summiting all seven summits (laughs) later in life. When did you decide to do that? I wasn't until maybe after the one in South America that I knew I could climb to 23,000 feet. I kind of got it to where and I took your two brothers to to Kilimanjaro and, yep. and I fell in love with the mountains and and the challenge that it it gave and the beauty that I saw both with the culture and the nature. Yeah. So just to give a little bit more backstory too, my dad and I competed on the Amazing Race in 2010, I believe it was, and 2011. And my dad and I have always been very close and a lot alike in a lot of ways. And the experience of the Amazing Race together was just amazing. And he started climbing the mountains after that. Like I said, he, you know, he, he summited Mount Everest. He, that's always the, the buzz one that everybody wants to talk about these days, especially with Everest being in the news a lot lately and the danger of Everest and the time it takes to climb Everest and the preparations and you know, he's got a lot of really amazing lessons and things that he's learned and things he's written to his grandkids. And that's what we're going to kind of do today on today's podcast. We're going to go through all of these lessons because they are super applicable to life. Going through a lot of the experiences that he had on the mountains, seeing, you know, people that he was close to die and making mistakes on the mountains and, you know, injuries and stuff like that. He wrote these really cool lessons that apply to everyday life. And You know, a lot of people listening to this podcast, it's all about like living your life to the fullest. And I think a lot of times to do that, you need to hear inspiration and you need to hear somebody that's obviously practicing that in their everyday life. And I always draw inspiration from my dad. And I think a lot of you guys will too. So by the way, how many people have done all seven summits in the history of the entire world? I think it's the numbers up four or 500 that have done them all. 
ever. <laughs> and what, remind people what the seven summits are. It's the highest point in each continent. So seven continents, seven high peaks, and that's what they are. So Everest, Denali, Kilimanjaro. Right. K1. No. Oh. The K1 is uh, is in the same continent as, as Asia. So Elbrus in Europe, Carson Pyramid, which is I'm going to do in August. Denali, I was supposed to have done this week, but had a little problems in the last trip to Nepal. And then South America is Aconcagua. And then Antarctica is Mount Vincent that I just did this past February. And then Everest and there's one more. Everest, Elbrus. Aconcagua, Denali, Kilimanjaro. I'm done them all, but two. So I, I have <laughs> well, to go he needs, through. He needs to Google what the other ones are. Yeah. He needs to do. <laughs> no, he knows. But yeah, so he's done five as we're sitting here recording this podcast today in the middle of 2019. And he's actually just come back from a really crazy experience in Nepal that he was he was training for Denali. And ended up having some internal bleeding and literally was in the Nepali ICU for how many days? No, eight days. I had four surgeries, eight transfusions, and eight wonderful days in the Nepali intensive care unit. (laughs) Yeah, which was an experience in itself. It was so funny. I don't even know if I told you this, but whenever we were... So we kind of hired a a third party to just kind of go back and forth and translate and make sure everything was going well with this care because it got really touch and go there for a while. And they were talking to my mom and my aunt. They asked this guy who was like a Navy SEAL and all this incredible stuff. She was like, well, what happens if my husband just says, I'm leaving AMA, I'm checking out, my hemoglobin levels are too low to fly. What happens if, if he does that? And he was like, well, typically... It wouldn't be good. But he said, if your husband can make it down a mountain with the level of hemoglobin that he had and the level of internal bleeding, he's a pretty bad dude and he's going to make it anywhere. (laughs) And they were like, okay. (laughs) So, yeah, that was pretty scary for us. But just like everything else in life, not too scary for my dad. <laughs> well, and that's that's part of the guilt that I feel when I do climb. The You know, the families at home and the sacrifice that, that I do is physical and, and mental, but it also puts you and, and your mom and my parents in a lot of, they worry about me. And that's uh, it's, it's part of the cost of this journey I've been on. And it's part of the things that I, I try to justify the reasons why I do it. You know, that's the money it costs, the time away from home and my family, but in work. And it's just something that I've always tried to balance out. And the stress on my family is one of the biggest things that I feel guilt about. Yeah, because, I mean, from here, we're like watching the Today Show and and Good Morning America and reading these articles. And it's like, especially lately, all you see is the bad. All you see are the people dying. And it's super scary because once he gets to like level four, how many months does it take to climb Everest or weeks? It takes two months for climatization and all. You start usually first of April and in the peak season is around the 22nd to 24th of, of, of May. Okay. So like once he gets towards the end though, 
we don't hear from them as often because they have one satellite phone and it's kind of the group they go with, you know. And so it's there are days and then the time change, of course, where we are just like praying and just, you know, hoping that hoping for the best. The thing is, you know, a lot of people really like worry and are concerned and anyone would be when the things that happen happen. But I always know like you're going to be okay. I always know you're going to make it because you're just like a freak of nature with your mental strength and the decisions that you make, you don't make stupid decisions on the mountain. Like no, you come I, back down. I promised, I promised everybody that I'm not going to die on a mountain. And, you know, sometimes you don't have any control over it. But most people that die do it because they make bad decisions. They make bad calls. And I think a lot of it is I'm very cautious. I've seen people die up there. And I'm very cautious about the choices I make. And to make a wrong choice, you know, has consequences and i know those consequences i've seen them i've seen them in action in 2016 i saw there were five people that died on my on during the expedition and a lot of them were up top even this year friend that i climbed vincent with was one of the ones on the news lately and he froze and lost three fingers in denali last year and he wore them in a necklace i remember his he neck. sent us so, that picture <laughs> and he passed away last week on the top of Everest. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's part of a high-risk type of endeavor like that. You think about the consequences, and you plan around those. You plan, I'm not going to there, – there's no mountaintop as important as me getting back to my family. Yeah. And that's what I've always said I would promise. I've turned around twice. I turned around once in South America on a mountain that I didn't feel good about. I turned around the first time I did Everest. I was – probably 300 meters from the top and then I didn't have any choice this time <laughs> I was I was I was bleeding to death that I had yeah. to turn around I couldn't I couldn't get up or down so but I you know I know when to to turn and run yeah and that that kind of brings me to one of my my favorite lessons so he did about 12 lessons and they all came from like different experiences that he had on Everest this last time that he did Everest and lesson eight is really an awesome one, and one that's applicable to this podcast and just to life in general. He says, if you're not growing, you're slowly dying. And he talks about how risks make you feel more alive, you know, kind of how people play it safe in their lives. And they set easy goals, and they pursue the things in their lives that are logical. And I just feel like that's so true. And I, I want to hear you talk a little bit more about that lesson first and foremost, because I think that's one that everyone, including myself, I love to hear about this one. So, you know, all of these were conversations that, you know, Ford was just born. And I don't know if I knew his name yet then, but I was writing things that I learned about what I was doing. And, and sitting in a tent for two months, just to, with your thoughts, there's a lot of things that you do and you think about and what I decided to do is write them down and this was one of them that I think the the, the lesson was t take risk and, and the the you know not as much about living life on the edge but but taking it a normal route taking it easy allows you know when you take risk you've got to innovate you got to create you've got to have strong faith whereas a path that is easier and more logical, you don't have that. You don't have to rely on any of that. So, you know, that was a message that I gave 
to my grandkids. And it's the way I live my life, too. I love to climb mountains. Uh, I love to fly airplanes. I love to do things that are kind of risky. And it requires tremendous focus. And that's the message I was trying to leave for Ford. I think that's great, too, because I feel like more and more so than when you were taking a lot of risks early in your career and in your business, I feel like these days, because of the distractions and the noise from social media and just, you know, the complacency of a, of a lot of people, I feel like, you know, people aren't taking as many risks. People are just kind of sitting around. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people's lives are passing them by. And I think that's just such a wonderful lesson because, you know, and a lot of your lessons are about like the mistakes that happen sometimes when you take the risks. Yeah. And owning the mistakes. And that leads me to the next lesson, which was lesson seven. It's like we're going backwards here. But you talk about mistakes in lesson seven. And you talk about what was the mistake. I think it was you didn't secure your crampons to the pack, which are, that's how you climb the ice, right? Yeah. It, yeah. It's at the base of the ice falls. And you wake up at one o'clock in the morning. You you had your pack that night pre-packed. And you, you load up at one o'clock, you walk probably an hour and a half before you start climbing the ice falls and you go to crampon point to where you, you start climbing or scaling these vertical blocks of ice. Well, I get to crampon point and I only have one crampon. I didn't secure my crampons and, and it was, it was kind of embarrassing. I had to turn around and go all the way back to base <laughs> camp and it was too late for me to join the rest of the team. They went on and continued on without me. And I went back to the tent. Crampon was sitting out front. So uh, I found the lost crampon. But I talk about, you know, instead of saying, well, if someone took my crampon sack and, and there, there were a lot of reasons why it happened. It wasn't me that secured it. It was my leader that took the crampons out of the bag to save weight. She was showing me. But acknowledging the fact that I should have checked that as a very important part of my claim, climbing gear. And it was my fault, you know, and, and, it, and so many times I, I find that people that make mistakes, they want to blame other people. They want to look for blame instead of look for, looking for cause or reason, what, what I could have done to change that. And, and in this case, you know, it, I will never lose a crampon because I always check my bag twice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and those are things that I can control. And the things that I can't control, then I let them go. I leave them alone, and I just concentrate on what I, uh, what I could have done to yeah. avoid that situation. But that's that was one of the points: is own your mistakes, learn from them, and change what you can. Yeah, I think that's that's a really great one. I feel like at times in my life, I've tried to find place blame. I, I wouldn't own my mistakes, and it's a, it's a totally different road. I feel like when you do, you own your mistakes and. You learn from it. It's such a cliche thing that a lot of people say, own your mistakes, own your mistakes. But but it's so true. And you really can, I mean, learn a lot from your mistakes. I've learned the most in my life from my mistakes for sure. But another, not not mistake that you made, but another kind of like pitfall that you were talking about in lesson three, the potato seller lesson. So explain a little bit about the beware of potato sellers and kind of what happened to one of the members of your team yeah. happened and the freak accidents, you know, things like that. Yeah, we were just above Namche and just probably a week or two into our climatization, our climb, we weren't even to base camp. And uh, 
and you become such good friends with this team that you climb with and you care about the team members. So we've already bonded. And one of our climbers, an Australian lady, we called her Trotty. It was her third attempt to climb. And, you know, Everest is a young man's sport. And Trotty is, was in her 50s, and she's attempted it three times. But we walk into a tea house, where, which is where we stay, and we get our food. And she fell in. There was an open trap door as you walk in that they stored their potatoes in. She fell into a potato cellar and ended up tearing her a ligament in her leg and her shoulder and had to be airlifted out. Her expedition was over a week after it started. Wow. So my, my lesson there from that experience is it's not how many potato cellars and your mistakes that you fall into, but it's how you dust yourself off, get up, and continue to go. Yeah. And, what a freak thing, too. Like oh, yeah. Freak yeah. things happen in people's lives all the time, whether they're climbing a mountain or not. I feel like it's like, who would have thought that would be her injury? Yeah. And a potato cellar. I, I was back this two weeks ago and I, I crawled into the potato cellar and took a picture and sent it to her. Oh, I'm so sure she we loved were, that. Uh, yeah. Uh, you talk about, like, just like you just said, like Everest is a young man's sport. And you talk about, one of the climbers that I think was one of the climbers that you lost, I think his name was Bernard. It was in Lesson 6. And you talked about, I think he was 73. He was the oldest member of your team, right? Right. Tell me a little bit about him. And then he gave you a lesson to to pass on to Ford, I think. Yeah, he had probably, he had Angdorji, the, 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 probably the best Sherpa on the mountain, 20 summits he made. Wow. And that season... He, Bernard, was going to go as high as he possibly could go. And he didn't have, he didn't have uh, plans on getting on oxygen, but he was hoping to make it to camp too. We did a couple high passes, and we did a half pass through the ice falls, which required a lot of rope skills, climbing skills. And, you know, and, and he said that was his Everest. He, he climbed as high as he possibly could. And he was, you know, when I told him about, you know, writing these lessons to grandkids. He told the team he was leaving. And I said, what can I give? What did you learn? And what can I leave for a lesson for my grandson? So that's the only one of the lessons that was written by someone else. And, and he said, and he was said, don't let anyone define your summit. Don't let anyone define how high you can climb. He said, I know my summit is 5,500 meters. And it's because I climbed it and I knew when to turn around. And and I defined what I could do, not someone else. Yeah. I really like that lesson because usually when you hear someone tell you, don't let anyone define your limits, it's about reaching higher and like reaching higher than people think. But I think that's a really valuable lesson because a lot of people think that they have to like reach a certain level. They have to do certain things in their life. Other people kind of set expectations for them. And maybe they're happy, you know, being a mom and staying home and, and raising children. Maybe that's their, their summit. And they don't, you know, you, you don't have to run your own business and raise your children and do all these things. I think as long as like, that's truly the summit for you. And that's truly like the limit for you and what you want to achieve. I think you need to own it. And I, I think that's awesome that that's his Everest, 5,500 meters of the 29,000, whatever feet. I think that's really a cool lesson. Yeah. Kind of in a roundabout way. Yeah. And, and and you're right. 
you don't have to climb mountains to be happy, but you've got to define what makes you happy. And I think that's one of my lessons and, and not let other people define it. You can't let someone say, well, you're going to be happy for the rest of your life if you climb a mountain. That's not necessarily yeah. true. You've got to define your own happiness. And I talk about it in one of my lessons that if you don't define what makes you happy, then other people will. And yeah, you'll always fall short. You'll always, you'll never, you'll never, you know, you'll, you'll always be looking at, I talk about don't, don't defer your happiness because what happens is people wait. Well, in, in five years, I'm going to retire or next year I'm going to go on vacation and have a good time. Well, in those five years, you're going to miss a lot of points that make you happy or in that year waiting for that one vacation, you know, you, you pass up or you don't pay attention. You're not in a moment. You don't see, you know, a, a child make his first step or something when your, your child wakes up in the morning smiling at you and, you gloss over those looking for future happiness. And, and uh, I guess my message in that one is happiness is right in front of you and don't, don't defer happiness and, and do it now. Yeah, that's a, that's a great lesson. And it reminds me too of one of the lessons that you, you had from Antarctica when you climbed that mountain. A lot of those ones that we just talked about were from Everest and we'll go back to some of those, but you talk about get out of the noise whether it's the noise of other people's expectations, like you were just referring to, whether it's the noise of social media, I catch myself doing it sometimes. Like, how checked out are you when you're just looking at the phone all the time? You just you just miss so much because there's so much noise and constant thoughts coming into your head that you just. I feel like sometimes, like my mind is just there's words in it all the time. Every there's you know thoughts and thoughts and thoughts. It never is still. And you, you talk about that. You, I think you have to get out of the noise a little bit to be able to do what you just said and find happiness in the simple things. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's so cool, too, about your journey in your life. You did. You started huge companies. If people define success by typical means of success, by money and, and status and things that you've left on this world that are like actual marks, I mean, you are the most successful but you also chose to raise your family out here where we are right now recording this podcast, literally in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we grew up on a farm with 23 first cousins. I'm the oldest. His parents, my dad's parents, our grandparents are still alive. They're in the middle. All of us are just kind of around. I feel like you've always valued the simple life and simple happiness and kind of getting out of the noise and can you just like touch on that? Cause I know you've had times in your life where you were running a rat race too in your business. Yeah. Flying from Lord, you were in a different state every day. I feel like, and, and it was so much noise doing business with the biggest businesses in the world. How do you get out of the noise when you're in the midst of all that? And people are demanding so much of you. You got to take time. You can't, you can't, like you said, social media, there's so many things, other people, your job, you know, and you lose track of, you know, what's important sometimes and what, what you need to do. And I, I say, get out of the noise. And, and it's kind of what I've found spiritually about climbing this mountain. I'm sitting there for weeks in a tent with nothing but my thoughts. And that's, that's, I'm removed from all communications except for one night on a satellite phone for a few minutes. And, and I get out of the noise. I think about what's important in life and 
more importantly, I think about what's not important. And so when I come back, I always tell everybody, you know, what that's part of the reasons why I climb. When I come back, I think I'm a better person because I got out of the noise. I thought about what's important in life, what's not important. And then I kind of rebalance and readjust what I see as going forward is important. And, and, and probably bigger than anything is cutting out what's not important. So, so, you know, the getting out of the noise was, it was a lesson that, you know, I, I was thinking about, you know, all these lessons to my grandkids and, and I never would have taken the time to write them down and to think deeply about them until I got out of the noise and, yeah. and, and thought about what I wanted to do in life. And what I wanted to do is leave messages for my grandkids, make sure that, that they understand what made me tick and hopefully they can use what I'd learned in my experiences to live their lives. Yeah. I love, I really love that lesson too. I love what you're saying about figuring out what's not important. I feel like every generation, there's a different type of distraction and you know, it's social media, it's sitting on the couch watching Netflix. It's there, there are a lot of things these, this day and age. And it was so funny. It reminded me a lot of this lesson that we were having that meeting with Gary, Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. He's another like really cool guy motivational guy, just a huge thinker and hustler. And he was saying, if you want to really put your life into perspective really quick, he said, go to an old folks home and tell them about your problems. He said, tell them like so-and-so called me this name on social media, or I only got 36 likes on this picture on Facebook and I've been depressed about it for two days, like all of this stuff. And he was like, they're going to look at you and be like, have you ever heard of World War II? <laughs> or like, you know, this is not, you do not have it bad. And like just the whole putting it into perspective and, <laughs> and really figuring out what's not important. It's just so funny how you can, you can get so caught up in, in, in these little things. And I always wonder, like some of the things I even get caught up in, I'm like, man, I'm going to laugh in five years when I look back and I think, Oh shoot! I spent thirty minutes when sitting at the table when I should have been focused, like worrying about this filter or this filter on a picture on Instagram. That's how I feel like I used to, you know, think about these dumb little things. And it's just I really love that lesson. Well, and, and another thing too, and it, we were on the race the first time I realized it is, is we traveled around the world twice, and and when we were in Ghana, you know, I was looking around and. You know, we didn't eat good. We didn't have much, but we had a backpack full of of items. And, you know, when we were in some of these countries, we had as much in that backpack as these people and a whole family had. You know, and it, it makes you realize that, you know, the, your sense of value, we, we were wealthy in that situation. We had no money, but we had we had a backpack with stuff in it yeah. and we had, we owned something. And, you know, the, the, the lesson that I learned in Africa on that trip was the smile on these children's faces. And, you know, they were so happy and, and they didn't have all the material things. And that was, yeah. that was uh, something that, that I learned about. And even the mountain climbs, I learned about the cultures and the people and, and usually the mountain people are very simple they have they they live a pretty hard existence they 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 help climbers but that's their life and they enjoy it they 
love their life. They love their families just like we do. And it's not as much of a rat race, it seems like. It's a simpler lifestyle. Yeah, and like a lot of people want to feel sorry for, you know, people like that. But it's like, look at them. I mean, they're happier than half the people that I've seen in America with a million times more. And that's just so wild. It's like it's not – you know that thing that they say about like how – the difference in $50,000 and, or the difference in $1,000 and $50,000 is significant, but the difference in 50000 and like 500000 or something like that isn't that much. Just talks about like once you have your basic necessities, it's like it's all an internal game. It's all, it's not about the money and all of that. That's what that Tony Robbins thing, the same time as that Gary Vee thing, he said he, he works with like 30 billionaires on a really regular basis and he said two of them are happy. And he said they just, you know, they can't quit. They can't, they can't ever be satisfied, which is probably why they're billionaires. But they can't ever, they can't ever turn it off and stop and just enjoy what they have in the world around them. And feel like sometimes the, the beauty in not having a lot and your culture not being centered around consumer items is that, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to find happiness without all that noise and, and all that hustling and striving. And that's something else too, you know, everybody in, our society and not everybody, a lot of people, hustle is like a, it's a tag word right now. Everybody wants to talk about hustling and hustling and hustling, making all this money and doing all these things. And I feel like a lot of people kind of just get caught up in the hustle. Like they want to work all the time. They want to do and do and do. And I think it's, you talk a lot about balance and you exemplified balance. If you really did hustle in a very big way, but you know, finding balance is a real skill that still I struggle with today. I think a lot of people probably struggle with. Touch a little bit on that because that's actually something even before you started doing the mountains, I feel like you talked about this all the time, balance in your life. And I know yeah. it's not a mountain lesson, but I'd love to hear you talk about that a little bit. Well, it is It is a mountain lesson. It's, it's, it's kind of tied to all of them, the balance of it. A lot of times I would go to the mountains to look for balance. You know, I would be upside down. I worked all the time. You know, you've got to balance, like, I had four kids and a wife, and so I had to balance my time with them, raising them, with a busy work schedule. And, and you know, so it's something I learned on the on the mountain is is quit chasing money, you know. And it's, people say that's easy to say because you've got enough of it. And really it's not a, the amount of money you've got. It's the fact that you, you choose to balance your life, choose, I chose, you know, earlier in my career to, to, you know, make it important for my family life, my spiritual life, my physical life, because I neglected it for a long time. You know, I I worked so much that all three of those were were being sacrificed. And, and, you know, I I look at that and I say, well, I could be a, a better parent. I could be a healthier person, be around longer. I can be more spiritual and in all three of those things are important and probably more important than money. And then my work and stand hustling. And one of the things is that, that I learned in the comment about finding out what's not important. And it's, it took me a while. It's, I was probably in my fifties before I figured out that money's not that important. And that was one of the things that, <laughs> that I kind of, Everybody says that, well, you're, that's crazy because you're old and you don't need any more of your family's raised. And that's true. 
that's a statement that I can say now that I probably wouldn't have said when I was 20 or 30 or 40 or even 50. But, you know, I always fought the balance between working too much and trying to accomplish things and, and, and other things that were important in my life. And same thing with climbing mountains. It's a balance too. You know, I still have a family that worries about me. I still work, you know, and I, and I, I don't want to get imbalanced by where I just obsess about the next mountain, which I'm accused of quite a bit, but <laughs> there's a plan. There's a plan. And, and the thing I see about the climbing mountains, it's not, it's not, it's not monetary. In fact, it's reverse monetary. I spent a lot of money climbing mountains, but it, it's things that help me grow as a person and the things that I've learned more about myself in doing these. And I think that because of that, I come back more balanced. Yeah. Yeah. And just to like touch on it. So it's, I love like so many of the stories that just prove the things that you say now I mean, you didn't come from, no one handed you any capital to start, you know, your business kind of in the beginning. You took out a second mortgage on your home, as did your brothers, I'm pretty sure is the story. And, you know, success back then in your 20s, I feel like a lot of people define sec- success as as money. It's it's an easy goal, and it's you were saying, I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30. That was like your goal. You had no money, took out a mortgage on your home. You struggled, strived, and then now, like to to hear you say you come back and it's not that important. I agree with you now too. <laughs> it's not that important, but that's just a really interesting lesson. But yeah, not sacrificing balance over making money. That's it's hard for a lot of people, I think. Yeah, and and it, you could it could be the you know things that you think are good for you. You know, health. You can go. You can get offsides with that. I've seen yeah. people climbing mountains. I've, I've climb with a bunch of young guys and these guys some of them have young families some of them mortgage their house sell their cars to climb the next mountain and you know it's crazy it's like like here's nothing and those are the guys that sometimes push it a little too hard and it's so critical that they get to the top of that mountain that they sacrifice everything yeah they sacrifice everything and you do the same thing with business you'll sacrifice your family your your friends and with religion, you can go overboard there. So, so you know, the importance of balance is, is just uh, something that I've always kind of checked myself yeah. on. That's that's a great, great lesson. And I, you know, here's just a couple more points I want to make before we wrap it up, because this is such an amazing podcast. And I feel like I could have like 10 podcasts with my dad because he has so many valuable lessons. But this one's one of my favorites, and I want to make sure we talk about it. That you, that you learned from Antarctica, that you've learned from your whole life, but that you have in your Antarctica section. Procrastination and complacency will derail your goals and add unnecessary stress to your life. When I read this one, whenever he was on the mountains, he, he used to send these to us over email. And I was like, oh, shoot, that one speaks straight to me because one of my struggles still to this day, we do a lot and we get a lot done, but procrastination adds so much stress, unnecessary stress to my life. And it's like, just do it. I don't know why that's just such a hard thing. It's just one of my crutches in life. And I think that's a great lesson because they will derail your goals. You spend so much time just in your head and writing down the same thing over and over. And then there's always this, 
to-do list in your head. You can't ever clear it out. And I, I love that lesson. Yeah, and that and the kind of the what it, it's you're right. It's it's about and I use this in business. If something bothers me, I learned it in a book I read called Eat the Frog. And it's taking taking the biggest thing that is bothering you that day and attacking it and getting it out of your hair. And I learned the lesson in Antarctica because there's so much preparation. It's so cold. You you get to you get to your tent. And you got to build an ice wall around it. You got to melt water. You got to do all this stuff, and you're exhausted. You all you want to do is sit down and rest and and put it off. I, well, I'll wait until I feel better. I'll wait until I do this. And 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 kind of the message was around that is is to really be diligent to get things done as you need to get them done, and and then if not. You're sitting there trying to rest. I'm tired. I'm going to rest. Then you're laying down saying, well, do I have enough water to go tomorrow? Yeah. Or, or do I have my food ready? And have I eaten enough tonight? Yeah. Or have I got enough clothes on? And, you know, and those type of things cause stress. And then the same thing with life, you know. Eat the frog, you know, is, is kind of a term of, of whatever's bothering you the most. Spend the time to get that out of your hair, you know. It may be an unpleasant conversation you got to have with somebody that you work with that uh, you don't didn't like the direction, but those are usually things and and they cause stress. And after you do them, you feel a, just a, a burden lifted off of you, so and, true. and you feel so much better for having done that. So the lesson is get your work done early and then enjoy the what you've accomplished. Yeah. And I'm just going to, I'm going to read through these last three that we were going to talk about because you can actually, my dad has a website, it's called GaryClimbsMountains.com. I had to help him think of that title. So that was a me thing. <laughs> he goes through all of his climbs, the lessons that he's learned. You know, there, there are countless more lessons on open-mindedness about having bad days, how you'll always have bad days about how, you know, when you've had this long day of work or raising kids or whatever it is, you have to look back at, at that hard day and see the, you know, the good in that day. Just so many lessons that are amazing. And I'll, I'll end with this one because these were lessons to my grandkids. First, it was lessons to Ford or lessons to my grandchild. We've got a dog's licking water over here in the corner if you hear that in the background. But now I'm pregnant with this second child, and we don't know what it is. We don't find out what it is. My dad thinks it's a girl. He says he has a pre- he had a premonition on the mountain, so we'll see if that was correct or if it was just altitude sickness or something making him crazy. <laughs> but it's something I've heard you say a lot in a lot of different versions, but you always say, you said at the end of it, we don't know what this baby is, but if it's a granddaughter, I want my granddaughters to be better and stronger than any man. <laughs> and I remember him always saying, he said this a lot in our Amazing Grace interviews, that he wanted a girl so bad or he wanted a boy so bad whenever he had me. And then after he had a girl, he was like, I would have had all girls. So he had another girl. And then of course, two boys. But you know, I love that a lot of the listeners are women that listen to this podcast. And I, I love that, that you say that. And you've always said that. Another one before that one, I, I got angry getting from an Indian guy. And I, I, want, I said, I want my daughters to be kind and forgiving, but not be afraid to punch someone in the nose if they know they got it coming so violence (laughs) I love it well I uh this is one of my favorite podcasts that that we've recorded and so appreciate my dad coming on here and sharing his lessons when's your next mountain 
August? August 3rd. I you goes. better hope mom doesn't listen to this. I uh, know. Indonesia, and it's called Carson's Pyramids, and it's the largest mountain in Oceania, okay. Australia. Well, if you guys want to follow along on my dad's journeys and listen to some of his lessons, we've just touched the tip of the iceberg, as they would say, which is a very appropriate saying for this. I mean, a lot of his lessons, just I'll leave it in the show notes. It's GaryClimbsMountains.com. And he's a pretty cool guy, if I might say so myself, one that I look up to and get a lot of my inspiration from. One of the reasons I'm probably doing a lot of what I'm doing today. So thanks so much for coming on, Dad. Any last words? No, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate what you're doing and trying to help people talk about these type of things that are sometimes not comfortable to talk about. So thanks for having me on and let me talk about kind of what I've learned the last few years. Of course. All right. We are signing off. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for joining us on Living Fully with Mallory Irvin. And remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single minute of encouragement and inspiration to live your best life. Want more? Join us on MalloryIrvin.com so we can connect with you on Instagram and YouTube. Start living your life now. You've only got one. We'll see you next time.